seems like uh, time gets away from us and we go to bed even later on time change and I'm sure some people woke up this morning and went, I love Pastor John, but I'll have to see him next week. But you guys are here and that's great. You know, this morning I want to remind you that we have some great things planned. Next week is John Sands, the great, great grandson of Winston Churchill, and he'll be coming again to kind of com- uh, continue our series, which we're in about heroes and how they change the world, and he'll be speaking about his great-grandfather, Winston Churchill, and in that darkest hour, how he came about and how God put him in that place at that right time, at that right time, at that perfect time, and to be able to lead a nation and really lead the Allies, as well as the United States, in his strength and encouragement through winning World War II. As long as you can share a little bit of the credit as part of the United States and give some to the English, then we can we can say that. And the week after that, the last week of this month, is Palm Sunday, and Tracy Tuning, our missionary, is going to be here and just going to share what's happening in China. And again, continue our series on heroes and how heroes change the world. Would you pray with me this morning? Because what's on my heart this morning has been very heavy uh, of just communicating this truth. Father, I pray that God, that the, the people that have chosen to be here this morning, that God, I know that you have them here for a purpose. And at this time, the purpose is to hear this message that you placed on my heart. Father, I pray that you would use my vocal cords, that you'd use my brain to be able to communicate clearly, God, what you have placed on my heart. God, that they might be able to receive and be influenced by your word, and their life would be changed. In your name we pray, amen. As we lead into Easter, there are so many people in our life that do not know Jesus Christ. They do not know what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. And a lot of times in our life, we do not share the love of God because we don't see ourselves as somebody that can change the world. And, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing when you think that the person that shared the love of God with you really didn't just change your world, but it changed your eternity, that just the good news of the cross and what Jesus did for you. Sometimes if we don't share the love of God, if we do not share our testimony, it's it's easy to kind of have the excuse, well, I don't know how to do that. And it's in the process of, of learning how to do it. And sometimes it's awkward because you haven't ever done it before. But to share the love of God with somebody and say, you know what? I just want to let you know that Jesus Christ loves you. This is Easter time. And they've told us over and over through studies after studies that most people come to church for one reason at first. And that is because someone invited them. It's a relationship with somebody else that will also keep them in a place of hearing the Word of God, if that's a church. You know, again, to to be able to do it continually and consistently gives you more of a confidence to be able to continue to do it. This morning, I want you to see this series as almost like you're in a hero's training school. And it's not one of those things that you signed up for, but it's something that is happening in your world that, that... you have to be a part of because it's going to be something that is going to be on your horizon, if you know what I mean. We've got to have you guys. This is going to happen in your life in the next. And you go, uh-oh, 
I don't know what I'm doing. I've got to get enrolled in a, in a place to learn the wisdom of God. You know, the Bible says that if wisdom, the wisdom of God, if it costs you everything you have, get wisdom. You know, there's something about trying something new for the first couple of times that you feel awkward at and you kind of make maybe mistakes. Ladies, do you remember when you got married? Maybe you didn't cook. Mom did all the cooking and the first time that you cooked to your husband wasn't so good. And hopefully, husband, you didn't go, my mother never cooked like that. Husbands, if you ever did that, you did it one time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's learning. You know, this week was pretty hard for me because, well, let me tell you, it was very violent went on inside of me. Let me tell you what happened. You know, the church has got a coffee shop that we're building and uh, we're, we're going to buy, you know, and build a roaster at the Miller house and, and to roast the coffee to be able to sell that. And we, we've invested. But, but my son Heath decided that he's going to start early. He, he's an innovator, you know, so, so he's going to buy just a small coffee roaster and learn how to coffee roast home. But he doesn't live at our house anymore because he got married in November. And so he, he sent it to our house. So it's in a box. He comes home and he, he sees it. It so happens that he thinks of this idea around midnight. I'm going to roast my first batch of coffee. So here, here, do you see the picture? Gwen is far into sleep by then. And I'm up. I'm kind of excited, but I'm fading, you know. And I said, Heath, it doesn't look like it's getting any darker. He's already cooked it for 20 minutes. And I said, well, you know, bless you. I'm going to bed. So I, I, I get on into the other room and I fall asleep and I'm smelling coffee, you know. And in and about 1245 the next day, okay, it's not noon. It's the next day in the morning, 45 minutes I've already got rapid eye movement. You know what I mean? I'm in oh, la land when a high pitch ah, is going off, which is, anybody, anybody? Smoke detector. He has roasted that coffee. He said, I, I've always heard that, you know, gases are released in the bean, but I never realized it was petroleum gas. And it ignited. Boom. So when I come staggering out the door the house is so engulfed in smoke that I can't even see him but he comes through with a bad my bad my bad <laughs> everybody that's upstairs is now downstairs and we want to shoot him he doesn't even live at my house anymore <laughs> He opened the windows and was out of the house and back home within a matter of 30 minutes. Now, now, let's go back. I believe that one day I'll want to drink coffee that Heath roasts. But that day was not the day. We looked at that. He had carried that roaster on the back porch. We had gotten ladders out to change, take the batteries out. Just make it stop. It's brutal. So, so as we're, we're learning how to walk in our callings and, and how God is a purpose, has a purpose for us, a lot of times it looks like that day when we, oopsie, <laughs> my bad. 
He's too old to spank, so I use him in illustrated sermon parts of my message. If you would like to ask him about that later, I'm going to give you permission to do that. Let's move on. Now remember where you're at, you might say, you know, Pastor, I, I just don't, I don't feel like I, I, I'm, I'm a hero that I, I could really save the day or I could come into somebody's life and share the love of God with them and, and really make a difference. But understand that it, it's a process that we're walking through. Did you hear me? It's a process. It, it's an experience on an experience on an experience from glory to glory. He's changing me. Let me give some verses just to kind of give foundation so you know where I'm going. In Ephesians, let me tell you, I want to challenge you this week as you spend time with God. And if if somebody asks you at the end of this sermon at lunch, what did he speak on? I want you to say, he wants us to be in the presence of God. And here's what I want you to do this week. Read the book of Ephesians as you spend time in the presence of God. Now, we're going to use some Bible characters this morning, but in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read these really quick, so let's get on our horse. It says, it's in Christ we find out who we are, who we are, and what we are living for. There's so many people that say, you know, I just don't feel like the destiny that I'm living is very beneficial. Well, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and everyone. If you go down to Ephesians chapter 2, just the next chapter, verse 4, it says, Instead, immersed in mercy and with incredible love, He embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on our own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in, in the highest heaven in company with Jesus our Messiah. Now, now, let's go down to verse 10 of chapter 2. It says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. Did, everybody with me on that? If, if you're on your phone, turn back to the Bible app off of Facebook. Okay, turn back on. Okay, here it says, we are God's own workmanship. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. You're a newborn baby when you come to Christ. Born again, you're born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, He planned beforehand. Now watch this. For us taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life. Can anybody say amen to that? If He's come to give us life to the full, to the overflow, He has prearranged paths to take for us to live the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. The the whole thought there of the prearranged path is an ancient practice that that was put into place when the servants went ahead of the master to prepare the way for him. All the logistics that went in, all the itinerary, all that was taken care of by the servants. But this was turned 180 degrees when Jesus came and he says, because what I've done for you, I've set the path for you. I prearranged the good path for you. Now, pastor, that might be for this person or that person, but not me. No, for you. 
Now this morning I want you to see, the first illustration that I want you to see out of the Bible is here's Israel, and they're, they're freed from slavery in Egypt, and, and they're on route to their God promise, just like you and I. We're talking about what the purpose of God put in our hearts to do. And, and we're coming out of slavery of sin. We've given our heart to God. And, and now we begin to live the good life that God prearranged for us. Now watch this. There, there's so many times that we begin to go, okay, I'm out of slavery, but where's the promise? I want the promise now. And the Word of God shows us through the illustration in the Old Testament, the children of Israel coming out, they go in the wilderness it's a transient place in between slavery and the promise what God has for them, just like you and I. They're en route to the promise. And the leader that is going to the promise is Moses. And some bumps in the road take place. And again, use this as an illustration to your life. Some of the things that they thought was going to take place didn't take place. It didn't take place as quick as they thought. Anybody there in your life? And being a hero for somebody and, and sharing the love of God and all the things that God has for you. Some of us get to that place where we hit a bump and we go, God, where are you? Are you with me? And in this passage in Exodus, I want you to see this, that Moses gets to place and says, God, you're going with us, aren't you, on this journey? And if you want to read that, it is very, very interesting in chapter 33 how they go back and forth. And God says, I'm not going to go. I'll send an angel. And, and Moses goes, whoa, 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 whoa. He says, if you don't go, don't send us. Because who will know that we are your people? And who will know that, you know, that, that you have blessed us, that we're special? And God says, now watch this. He says, I will go with you. Now, now, this is the presence of God that I encouraged you to spend time this week doing, to getting in the presence of God. We, we sang that song, we need your presence, God. The moment Moses, or Moses realizes that he's the one that God wants to be with, all of a sudden, there's a change in his life. When he gets that revelation, all of a sudden, now all the things that he has to do make sense because God is with me. Now, he isn't a perfect man, and he hasn't been, and he won't be a perfect man after this. But the thought is that I want you to see is from this time on, the revelation of who God is is the revelation that God wants to be with me. Can I, can I do something without just screaming and pointing at you and you and you? If you could just for a minute realize I'm speaking to you. That God wants to spend time with you. And when we are in his presence, all of a sudden there's a whole lot that can happen in a very short time. God can speak one word over our life that's more important than all the other words that we'll hear from somebody that day. Now this morning I'm going to focus on Joshua, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about him and then I'm going to leave and speak about a couple people then we'll come back to Joshua. Now, now watch this. Here's Joshua. And, and again, I want you to paralyze, or paralyze, parallel all the things that I'm saying with your life. The second person is Joshua. And here he is and he's following the great name of Moses. 
Some of you have been raised in a family that is Christian and you've had a mother or father that has brought you to church and you've seen God work in their life. Some of you have not had that. But there's a, there's a sense in people's life that if somebody else has had the, the presence of God that you can never have it. You can never experience the Holy Spirit working in your life. It, it's almost like a, a false humility that is playing over and over. And I want you to see, here's Joshua. And in Judges chapter 6, everything that has happened, he, he is, uh, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 3. He is now ready to cross over the Jordan. Now he's over the Jordan. He's going to conquer the land. And God tells him something. Because he's told him in chapter 1, be strong and courageous and do this and do this. We'll talk about it in a minute. But in chapter 3, I want you to see, here comes a revelation. Because God says, I want you to follow the Ark of the Covenant, which is a sign of my presence. I want you to stay 3,000 feet. Everybody stay 3,000 feet from it. So you can see ahead of time where I'm going to go. But here's the thing. You have never been this way before. I love that story because so many times when we're trying to do something above average or we're stretching to in this situation to be a hero or to be in the presence of God, there, there's something that we want to get ahead of God. And God told us, you just, you just watch me. You wait for me. And he begins to speak to Joshua. And in verse 7 of chapter 3, he says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to magnify and exalt you in the sight of Israel, so that they may know that just as I was with Moses, I will also be with you. Now, right at this moment, there's something that happens that Joshua will be cut from a leader to hero. Because he begins to realize that the one person that God wants to be with is himself. God, you want to be with me? And that revelation begins to begins to be acted out in Joshua's life as he leads all these people that have gone through all these trials and tribulations to experience their promise. Because of the presence of God, he comes to the uh, he comes to the understanding that God will be with him. The third person I want to talk about is Gideon. Now, now, let's just go real quick through this. And some of you are already jumping ahead because you know the story. He, he is feeling very, very uh, minor in the big picture. He even confesses that he is the weakest in his clan, or the clan is the weakest, and he's the weakest in the whole family of that clan. God comes on the scene. It says, an angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Ophrah. This is Judges chapter 6. But he announces Gideon by saying this, God is with you, O mighty warrior. Now, now here, here's what's important. When we're in the presence of God, you begin to hear who you are instead of what you've done. Because when we begin to walk in our identity, and this isn't a message on identity, but you know if you've been here, that how important your identity in God is. But all of a sudden, he begins to realize who God believes him to be, even though he doesn't see it in himself. You're a mighty warrior. The next thing you hear is Gideon begins to really just 
can I say this without it being... He just begins to throw up all this complaining that's inside of him. See, a lot of times what comes out is what's inside, and he does that. He says, well, where are you? And I never, you know, all of our parents, grandparents have said these miracles. Where are they? Now, again, at first it says that an angel appears to him. But in verse 14 it says, but God faced him directly. Go in this strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I sent you? You go down. He complains some more. And in verse 16, the revelation comes. He says, God says to Joshua, I'll be with you. Believe me, you'll defeat Midian as one man. Now, because of this revelation, we know that he still begins to hesitate until it sets in. So many times people read this story and they want to be just like Joshua. Don't be that person. God, give me a sign. Can I put a fleece out before you? Do you realize that's a negative part of this story? Faith is being sure of the things we hope for, certain of the things we do not see. But that doesn't mean that faith is going to take place the first time that you have faith for something. It is an experience that we build off of. It is David saying, I defeated the bear and the lion, bring on Goliath. And so many times when somebody is starting out and they say, you know, I've really never prayed or believed for something greater than, you know, what I could accomplish on my own. They, they, they said, well, it didn't work. They gave up. But again, I want you to see, and what I'm focused on today is that every time somebody got in the presence of God for a period of time, they begin to see that God says, I'm going to be with you. Now, now hear me. As a pastor of all these years, I can forget that from one week to the other. Now, I know that didn't convince you or that didn't impress you. And, and why I said that is because I have to be continually reminded that God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm so glad for a wife that will say, God's with you. Friends that will come alongside of me. You say, why do I go to church? Hopefully, friends that are at church will say, it's okay. God is with you. If this morning we were looking at something as far down as the new building project, you know, you're, you're looking and you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's up. But if we had a set of binoculars that we could put up to our eyes, all of a sudden what was so far away could be brought up. Now, this morning I want you to see, as we begin to stretch and believe that God is putting us in a place to actually, in people's lives, to change their destiny by telling them about the love of God. When we realize, as we just talked about, that God says, I'll be with you. I'll go with you. You're able to do something that you never thought you could do, and you can't on your own. But with me, you can do it. Here's what it is. is when you begin to see and think a different way, all of a sudden the impossible becomes possible. And all of a sudden there's something that's inside of you that starts beginning to well up inside and you begin to smile, you begin to kind of chuckle. You begin to say, wow, I would have never been. 
I, I remember the first time that I realized that God wanted to bless me and, and to make me prosperous. I, I remember the time because I didn't have anything. I mean, we were almost, you know, in America, we're rich even if we're not wealthy, but we, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't live in a really nice house. And when I realized that God has the very best in mind for his children, all of a sudden I started walking around. I started thinking, man, I'm a millionaire. I didn't have any more money in my bank account than I did a minute ago. But when I got that revelation, all of a sudden I thought that the, what was just a minute ago was an impossibility. All of a sudden I thought, wow, God, you have blessed your children. But here it is, what you think about God when he comes to mind will dictate your future. Here's what I wrote down. If we could truly extract from a man's heart what comes to mind when he thinks about God, we could predict with certainty the future of that man. The question is, how do you think of God? You are not a product of nature or nurture, you know, somebody. You have been created with a purpose. A low view of God is the cause of all these fears and worries and impossibilities. But a high view of God, all of a sudden, all those fears and negative things begin to melt away. So let me ask you. When, when you begin to see an obstacle in your life and what God has put in your path, and it, it's a Goliath, are you a, a scaredy cat that you want to run away? Honestly. Well, I've never experienced a victory in my life. I've, I've never really seen that situation. He scared me. I don't know what to do. And, or is it something that you say, you know what? I realize that God is with me. Now, listen, I'm not just saying if God be for me, who can be against? We all know that. We walk by faith and not by sight. But I'm saying when you get to those circumstances, those, those times from the, the slavery, and you come into salvation, do you progress out of the shallow end of repentance? Now, let me tell you, repentance and salvation will get you to heaven. But understanding the revelation and being in the presence of God allows you the possibility of seeing the kingdom of heaven. We have to look, change our perspective. Instead of looking at the cross, we begin to understand that we look from the cross. That God's purpose in our life is to be the light, to be the salt, to be the world changers that God has equipped us to be. In Isaiah chapter 55, God says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way that I work, God decrees. For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. The way that we typically think is the words that go into our head. Words change our thinking and our thinking changes and we go all the way back through the transformation process to our destiny. 
Let me give you an idea. There's, there's a lot of times two things that keep us from being happy. Living in the past and observing other people. Is that not true? Can, can I tell you, God doesn't think that way. Everybody goes, yeah, I know that. God's ways are not our ways. So, so watch this. Just to show you how far, just let me give you an example of God's thinking versus ours. If his, if his definition is as far as the heaven is from the earth, the, the furthest out that astrologers have found is galaxies that are 12.3 million, 12.3 million light years from earth. That, they, they just discovered that. There's probably a lot further. But watch this perspective. If you consider that light travels at 186,000 miles per second, per second, 186,000 miles per second. It only takes eight minutes to travel the 93 million miles between the sun and the earth. In other words, the sunlight you feel is only eight minutes old. But the light from the farthest galaxy travels 12.3 million light years to get here. Now watch this. That's the difference between God's thoughts and our thoughts. But we continue to say, I can't do it. I, 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 I'll never be able to be that. But when you go back to how easy it is, ready? Just to get in the presence of God. What you'll hear over the next few weeks is the word distractions. Because distractions keep us so busy that we can't find time to get in the presence of God. As much as I loved my children, I realized that the older they got, the less time they actually took. We, we, that's common sense. You know, when they're little, I had to tell them, this is daddy's no-fly zone because they wanted to be in my pockets. You know what I mean? So they, they went, to, but, but if I allowed them to even become a distraction, they are not benefiting from me using that as an excuse not to be in the presence of God. If I love my job, and you know my job, you know, well, you know, pastor. But as much as that's good, that can be worthless if I let my job distract me from being in the presence of God. Even the promotion or the advancement or, or building projects, how valuable that is. But it's worthless if I allow that to be a distraction from me being in the presence of God. Let me go back to Joshua. Listen, the more spiritually mature we get, the bigger God will become. The bigger God gets, the smaller our problems become. You got big problems? Get in the presence of God. Begin to understand who God is. And all of a sudden, those problems begin. And, and you say, well, pastor, I don't think so because my problems are pretty big. How long has it been since you've been in the presence of God? This isn't a wolf brown chili commercial, but let me tell you, that's too long. 
Joshua in chapter 1 again. He says, God says to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. He goes on and on. Be strong. Obey the word of God that I've given you. That that Moses, that I gave Moses. You walk in that. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will prosperous and be successful. Have I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. How, how does he get all there? How, how does he get all that information? He's in the presence of God. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Now, why, 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 why? Because look at the next. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Every opportunity is a gift to God. What you do with that opportunity is your gift back to God. If, if you think about all the things that when you experience in the presence of God and, and, and God begins to tell you who you are and how you were created by the Word of God. Again, this isn't something to make you prideful over. It's something, though, that you walk in in the kingdom of God. That we serve with the heart of a king and we rule with the heart of a servant. Have you ever got to the place where now that you've known the word of God and, and, and you've spent time with a God, the God of the universe, and now an opportunity exists and you go, I don't know if I'm ready for the test. How many times as, as high school students do you go in and right before the test, what is the common behavior? Woo, did you study? Did you study? There's something about not feeling like you're going to be ready. And it's a process that we walk through it, that we're learning how to trust God. Now, I know that sounds, ooh, just trust God. But it's in the process of the experience that we learn to trust God. Watch this. If you look at Joshua and, and you, you begin to study Joshua, at the very end of the book in Joshua chapter 24, he begins to exhibit the heroic life. He's been victorious. But you look at chapter 24 and it says, in verse 15, he says, you guys need to choose. He told all these people, you need to choose who you're going to serve. And then we know, he says the famous words, but for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, what happened because of his influence? We're, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up here. So watch this. Because of his influence in the life of the people that God put him in, it says this in verse 31, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. But here it is. And who had experienced, do you hear it? And who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. We need to accumulate godly experiences not processions, not just going through the motions of saying I'm a Christian, but putting ourselves in the opportunity to trust God. It is so much easier not to attempt anything that's going to take faith. But in doing that, in a way, you can't be faithful. You don't need faith. Therefore, you really might come to the 
conclusion that you don't need to even be in the presence of God. And you begin to focus on all the other distractions. Then the day comes when you're called upon and the test seems overwhelming. Have you experienced God through your life in the things that God tells you that you have authority over? Listen to this. I heard this, and boy, it shook me. You only have authority over the storms that you can sleep during. We become living witnesses of the greatness and the goodness of God. We begin to influence people around us and lead them to trust, to serve, to love God. Let me give you an example. God says in his word, See, if in tithing I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Are are you a witness of that truth? Well, Pastor, I, I, I just, if you're not experiencing it, if you come to the point of the subject of healing, it says, by his wounds you've been healed. Are, are you a witness of that truth? Well, Pastor, I know somebody that is. I know, I know. Walking in love. Let no debt remain outstanding except to continue debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Are are you a witness of that truth of the word of God? Have you experienced it? And now again, all the people of Israel followed God as long as Joshua lived. And the elders who outlived him that had experienced the goodness of God. Are you with me today? Are you in a place of experiencing the goodness of God? Or have you stepped back and said, you know what? I I, I just, I'm not going to do that. Therefore, I don't need to be in the presence of God. Are, Are you a witness of the fact that God says, I'll deliver you out of a tough situation? Because if you've never experience that if you're not a witness of that happening in your life what will happen is when somebody else is going through something you go oh yeah that's rough and there's no hope that you're giving when the word of God says I waited and waited and waited for God at last he looked finally he listened he lifted me out of the ditch pulled me from the deep mud. He stood me up on solid on the solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter into the mystery of abandoning themselves to God. Man, again, are, are you a witness? Have you experienced that truth in your life? When our children are growing up in all of our families. 
Well, they say my mom and dad experienced the goodness of God. And then they say they have become heroes in my life. Because of the presence of God in their life, now I have a hunger for the presence of God in my life. If it costs you all you've got, get the wisdom of God. Begin to experience God by trusting and serving Him. To be in the presence of God gets a revelation that God desires to go with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, today, our hearts desire to be with you. God, we want to be in your presence. God, allow us to be people that, Father, that we choose to be out of the, the, the patience, the hunger to say no to distractions that are happening all around us and get to the place that, Father, we don't prioritize anything above you. And that, God, our behavior, our, our schedules, our calendars show it. When all else is failing around us, that God, that one thing that we've decided is to follow you. We've decided to, to be in your presence. And Father, because that, all of a sudden, all that turmoil, all that anxiety, all that fear that's in the world begins to correct itself because God, you're there with us. God, I just pray right now over our church. If there's somebody here that has just grown tired. And let me tell you, church, that a lot of times depression is, even how bad it sounds, is a selfish mindset. That it's all about you. But let me encourage you to get in the presence of God. To make that a priority this week. To put things aside. No matter how good that something is. To say no, no. My priority is spending time with God. I'm not going to let distractions. Keep me from being with God. People around you, church, are calling for heroes. People that will stand up in a time of the darkest hour and say, I have the way because God is with me. The Holy Spirit lives within me. God, I just pray blessings over our church today. In your name we pray, amen.